everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's newer and I am riding solo today. It's just me by myself talking about Rahasas of Potomac and Vanderpump Rules. I am right now looking at my notes that I wrote down for Potomac and I'll be very honest with you guys. I don't know why I wrote down this much because not a lot happened on that show. And again, Rahasas of Potomac makes me sad. It just makes me sad. It's like, it's just not fun to watch. Like nobody wants to be there. Nobody really wants to film with each other. Everything feels repetitive. Um, It just doesn't feel fresh or fun in any way. There were a few moments that were actually interesting, but the rest of it, I was just like, what am I watching here? Like it just, the rest of it felt like, um, like somebody read like a Housewives for Dummies book and then like was like, this is the things that you do when you film. And like, it's, that's not, that's not interesting at, at all. Um, the episode opens with Giselle and Ashley pretending that they're designers. They go to Joanne Fabric and they look at some stretchy neon materials for their like LuLaRoe. <laughs> MLM style leggings with panty liners. Now, here's the thing. Putting a little padding in the crotchal region of a yoga pants sounds good until you think about like all of the stupid padding you have all over your ladies or if you're a gent who uses a sports bra or if you're non-binary and you use a sports bra. Um, you know that stupid padding that comes inside of sports bras and bikini tops and all that stuff? And they're just fucking all over your closet. That's all they're putting into that little crotch area. Like, I just I want to try to understand, like, are they making like period, period panty style yoga pants? I just want to know what's going on here. And I mean, it's not a bad idea because like, I know so many women that don't like to wear underwear when they wear yoga pants. Go off, girl. And so I think that there is a market here, but... The fact that they're like talking about designing leggings. And I was like, I've seen this documentary before, Giselle. It's not interesting at all. Like, just why don't you just do a freaking like partnership with Fabletics and call it a day? Why are you pretending like you're make you're picking your fabrics at Joanne? Please. Um, me and Robin come and they basically talk shit about the Surrey trip. But I mean, there's not much to talk about. There's really, really not much to talk about here. We go to NECA's house and she's now we are learning what NECA is shilling out on this show. So she is making champagne. She says she starts her morning with champagne. We get a shot of it. She's taking her vitamins with a glass of champagne. She's also in a full face of makeup and glam. So no, that's not the first thing that you did. Also, saying that you wake up and sleep with champagne is just like, <laughs> it's not great. Like you're not, here's the thing. You're not Heather Dubrow, okay? But like you could be like talking about champagne. And also if you're on Potomac and you're talking about champagne and you are not including Miss Shasha herself who made an entire champagne room. With your little sparkling wine, your high quality, affordable sparkling wine. Is that not boxed wine? No, granted, you guys know I'm not really a drinker. I only just recently started occasionally drinking alcohol, like maybe once 
I, I think maybe perhaps in a year, three times, you know, and that too is like watered down. Does So I'm not going to pretend to sit here and be like a wine, you know, person, <laughs> wine person, a person who gets wine and understands it and all that. But you are not going to try to come on here and basically do like wives, wines by wives. Okay. Which is like a thing from like season three of OC or try to shill Rinna wine or Vanderpump Rose or like, it's, it's not the same. I don't know who you are and I don't know about your taste in champagne. If you are drinking it with your zinc multivitamins, which I also take, I have that same brand from Amazon. It's a good one. I just like, I just like don't care. And then she says that she's, she's, she has some friends. We get Lebe. There's so much extra editing on the show right now. Like it's so weird. It was like Lebe from the Wendy TV show or something. It was just so weird. Anyway, she's saying that she's going to have an unpacking party because her house is not ready. She doesn't have furniture or a stove. So she's going to invite her friends over and do an unpacking party. Okay. It's giving low budget, okay? Um, Eddie is going to have an edible party. This is uh, the Osefo's big event. And before the event, we get like a little shot of Candace and Chris, and they're talking about it and how Candace is only going to be able to show up for a second. She's got to go do this other thing with all of her 15,000 other projects. Good for her. And um, Chris says that he doesn't care about seeing neck or forehead. Um, At this cannabis party without any cannabis how dreadful they are rolling oregano it's so corny you know what this reminds me of (laughs) this is such a weird memory i have when i was in the sixth grade we had to do like show and tell and it was like you have to teach somebody something it was like part of like i don't know social studies or something it was basically like you know teaching kids how to like give directions or whatever. And so my thing was going to be how to make a pizza, but I panicked because I didn't get to, I couldn't figure out if I wanted to make a pizza or if I wanted to use a, use Play-Doh. Like I think in my mind, the idea of taking real food to school and then not eating it gave me anxiety because high immigrant child, like you don't waste food. So then I was like, oh, why don't I just like buy buy Play-Doh and cut it up to look like it's like food, like pizza and sauce and all that. And then in my head, I was like, yeah, but then they're going to know that that's not real pizza. Like I really worked myself in my head. So then I did a show and tell about how to mold Play-Doh to look like pizza. It was like so stupid. Like it's one of those (laughs) memories that I have where I'm like, what I was so who this is like why I grew like this is how I know I like it was like a I wasn't a latchkey kid because my parents didn't let me go anywhere but I was definitely a kid that like nobody supervised like my parents never checked my report card they had no idea what the fuck I was doing they never checked for homework like I just think to myself like the effort I put into my kids homework like if anybody put in even an ounce of that I would not have this cringe memory of myself doing terribly at this project in the sixth grade because my mind couldn't figure out what the fuck to do because I had picked how to tell teach people how to make a pizza. Anyway, that's what this reminded me of with the oregano and the joints, okay? 
it was it was really lame. It was really, really lame. Um, everybody starts rolling in and it's kind of just dull until Karen comes in with Matt, of course, because there's no way Ray would attend a cannabis event. Are you kidding me? Raymond? Huger? <laughs> One half of the institution? Absolutely not. But she starts talking to Nia, Mia about this Surrey thing. And it's just so funny. She thinks that Mia's rude for not coming or saying, hey, I just don't do last minute invitations. And Mia's like, yeah, because I don't want to be second string. <laughs> Karen says, you're not second string. You're not even first string. You're a backup. Now, Karen, what do you think second string means? <laughs> But Karen goes off. She's annoyed with Mia because she's like, you know how hard I'm trying to keep the group together, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then she's like, Karen, I just like don't want to go to this thing. And then Karen gets offended because she's like, well, your life is boring. Because essentially what they're fighting about is filming. Karen's like, I don't have any beef with any of you. There should be no reason why you don't attend the event that I'm trying to have. So for you all to not show up is fucked up. It's essentially what she's trying to do. But in the middle of all this, Mia calls Karen a trick or somebody calls Karen. Somebody calls somebody a trick. Okay. <laughs> it's just hilarious when Mia does stuff like that. Um, Giselle, ugh, this is, okay, this whole event sucks because I I mentioned this before. I think Wendy Osefo could have made a great housewife, but she takes things way too seriously. And then she tries to act like she's funny and chill. And it's like, I think that in real life, Wendy is probably, she's really interesting and she's really fun and all that. But I think on camera, she is just trying too damn hard. So there's like that part of it. But also Giselle comes in and like the whole thing is so disjointed. Giselle comes in. She doesn't say hi to Wendy. Wendy's annoyed despite the fact that she never says hi to Giselle. And Giselle isn't wrong for not saying hi to Wendy. That's whatever. But Giselle is wrong for being a killjoy and also calling Chris Bassett fat. Like, that's it's just like weird stuff. Like, why are you still talking about this guy? Like, it's it is weird that Giselle keeps talking about him. Be like, be like Ashley and say, you know what? I tried it. It didn't work. Let me just back off because it's not worth it. But one thing about Giselle Bryan is she's going to be loud and wrong. And she's like laughing and having a great time. But then she's like, I wasn't laughing. I wasn't having a good time. It's like she she can never be honest with herself. Um, NECA pulls Wendy aside and says, thank you for inviting me and like giving this olive branch and blah, blah, blah. Let's do a one-on-one. -on -one. And Wendy is just like not into it. And she says, you came in here guns blazing. And, like, I feel like the season has been going on for so long with so little happening that I barely remember what the issue was. But the reality is that Wendy got bad information from Ashley. Wendy started talking shit about this girl. Then this girl got a call from Wendy's mother and sister. Uh, she didn't even get a call. Lebe, her cousin, gets a call from Wendy's mother and sister saying, like, watch your back blah, 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 voodoo magic, cursing witches. And then Wendy is, you know, incensed that anybody would say anything like that about her visibly kooky mother. And like, 
I get that Wendy's pissed about it and like she's like, well, this isn't sincere. You should have apologized, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. But like the woman is trying. So like, what are you doing? What do you want? You just want her to not be on the show? You want to ice her out? Like, I just don't understand what your end game is here because it's not working. Um, Mia and Gordon go on a date. Uh, also at the cannabis party, Mia, Gordon leaves and then Mia takes that moment to just like talk shit about her husband. Mm, okay. Um, but they go on this little date and it's just like a really wildly telling conversation between like their discussion about Ashley and Michael and money and the family. And I just, I barely understand why they're filming together, but it is it is interesting to know that like she's been one foot out the door for a really long time. Now, do I believe that it is partially because he is being um, stubborn and he's not listening to his family, whatever. I appreciate the fact that Mia's like, Hey, are you ever going to change? Are you ever going to take accountability about the fact that you fucked up our life? Like, I think that if you marry a man who is wealthy and you expect to be taken care of a certain way. And then that man decides to be stubborn and wrong and loud and wrong, and then completely falls back on whatever your agreement was in your marriage. It's okay for you to want to leave. Listen, I don't think that there's anything wrong with women or anybody who marries a person because they are providing them a life that they otherwise would not be able to have if that if they weren't married to that person. I obviously think that that stuff is, that's a wrong reason to marry somebody if that person is like abusive or whatever. Like, I don't think that that is ever acceptable. Like, I mean, Mia even says that, why would I want to be trapped like that? Why would Ashley ever want to be trapped like that? So she's got her mind in the right place. But I don't think there's anything wrong with women or anybody, like I said, wanting to leave a marriage because it no longer fits what your idea of your life was going to be. And that's true even if it's not about money. And does that make Mia a gold digger? Sure. But like when you marry somebody 20 years older than you and then they can't provide for you the way that they promised that they would, it's okay for you to want to leave. Everybody marries people for different reasons. You have a lot more um, patience and grace for people if you marry them for other reasons, if you grow up with them, if you you just, I don't think it's a big deal. I actually like really enjoy Mia this season right now. Um, NECA has her little daytime pajama party. She's having these people come over in the daytime in pajamas to unpack and open up boxes of gifts. It's a, I don't understand. And I don't blame Wendy for not coming because it's a really lame party. The only exciting thing that happens is you get a little Mia versus Karen. And Karen drops a bomb that Mia has been fucking a rapper and a married man. And she kind of admits to it. She says that she's been hanging out with a rapper and with Gordon present. Okay. So, like, what's going on? We know that they like to invite company into their marriage. So it's possible that that, you know, is a situation that got away from her because I don't know if it's the same guy that she's now hard launched on her social media. But I appreciate again, I appreciate Mia for being like, well, that's kind of true. (laughs) This is when the show lost me. Well, the show lost me very early. The show lost me when they were making joints out of oregano, but they play Never Have I Ever. And again, I... 
don't care. The only thing I care about is when Karen and Robin fight with each other because I think it's so funny. Karen admits that she has screenshots of everybody's pictures on her phone. And if she found her pictures in somebody else's phone, she would be flattered. And you know what? (laughs) She probably would because Karen seems like the kind of person who would be like absolutely delighted to know who is obsessed with her. That's what Karen lives for. And for that, you're the grand dame. Um, let's go over to Vanderpump Rules. Vanderpump Rules this episode, we got Sandoval. It's all Sandoval. It was a full last week was an, a full Ariana episode. This is a full Sandoval episode. Um, he's back. He's laying it on thick like he's the victim. He's gone to this boot camp. He <laughs> he went on a shitty reality TV show and on Fox that nobody watched. Because he wanted to be hurting. He wanted to be punished, okay? He deserved it. He he deserved to be fireman carried by Jojo Siwa. <laughs> Hasn't he suffered enough? Hasn't he paid the price, guys? Now Ariana won't even let him have a birthday party? What a monster. Fuck off, Tom. Go fuck yourself, okay? I don't give a shit. Now the only person I give a shit about in this situation is... Anne. Anne, is that the name? The the intern, the assistant. <laughs> She's in a pickle. She has gotten herself in a little pickle because she's working with Tom Sandoval. Now, I wonder, like, was she his assistant before Scandoval? <sighs> because what a mess. Because if she was an assistant before Scandoval, then she probably knew about Raquel, right? Anyway. Ariana and Lala meet for smoothies and this is when they sort of all talk about like this living situation with Ariana and Tom and the thing that frustrates me about Lala is that Lala will always compare her life and her experience with somebody else's Ariana and Tom's relationship is not the same as Rand and and Lala and Rand is a bad person for other reasons but it's certainly not the same situation like Tom Sandoval is a massive piece of shit and he's probably done some really dark damaging shit. But like Randall Emmett has other kinds of allegations against him and allegations in a place where like he yields a lot of power in the industry that he works in. And the way that he and Lala got together like was a different kind of relationship. So like Lala wanting to leave that home because he is a dangerous man in a different way makes sense. Also, you didn't own that house. So why would Ariana want to leave a house that she owns? And then this whole thing about him wanting to buy her out, there's been a whole bunch of stuff on the internet. You guys know I don't do the extracurriculars because I can't keep up. But apparently they're he wants to buy her out. And when he says he wants to buy her out, like if they bought the house for, let's say, a million dollars and she paid 500 and he paid 500,000, now the house is probably worth like $5 million. And he wants to just buy out her part of the mortgage. So he wants to buy out, let's say, the $500,000 that was on her. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Why the hell would I? He claims on the internet that he offered her $3 million. I don't fucking believe it. I don't believe a word that comes out of his mouth. Now, Ariana mentions in this conversation that she has debated wanting kids now that she's with this guy, Dan. And like, I'm sure he's a wonderful person. I really genuinely think he's probably a wonderful person. 
But like, no, baby, no, no, slow down, pump those brakes. Speaking of pump, pump is shutting down. There's a goodbye party. Um, Lisa is dressed like a full on grandma. She's fully dressed like a grandmama. She's dressed like what I imagine Nanny K probably look like. But they go to pump and there's like an in memoriam about pump. And then <laughs> like black and white slow footage. And then that in memoriam about pump slowly turns into just like an in memoriam about VPR. I mean, like, is every episode going to have a black and white flashback of the good old times with like slow music playing? I get it. Things used to be happy and now they're not. But like, let's just then let's end the show. Let's end the show. Okay. Um, Shorts tells Lisa about like how Tom has fucked up and he hasn't spoken to him and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. Whatever. Shishu, big Shishu episode, Shishu hits the studio and we learn about emo night and they're going to make an emo screamo version of Good as Gold. Now, here's the thing. Good as Gold is a very happy song and I can't wait to hear what this emo screamo version of Good as Gold is because it shouldn't be Good as Gold. It should be like bad as I don't know, poop or something. I don't know. I can't think of anything. But her screaming in there, I love her. I love that Sheena doesn't sing. I love that Sheena just says. She just speaks. It's like the same. Sheena's voice, speaking voice, is also her her singing voice. But anyway, Sheena, oh, God, we also got like a flashback of that one video she made with that one season guy from New Jersey. He, by the way, works at like a restaurant down at the shore now. Like that's what he does. Bless his heart. Um, but Sheena and Brock talk about her mental health because she's going to be hosting another emo night and her mother has hurt her shoulder and she can no longer watch Summer Moon. And so Sheena has to work on finding a babysitter who she trusts. And we learned that Sheena had OCD before, but after having a baby, her postpartum OCD has gotten really, really bad. And like, I genuinely feel for Sheena. There's this studio scene where Brox is like, you got it, you could do it. And then there's a scene right before emo night where the babysitter comes over and Brock is kind of being a dick to Sheena, not kind of, totally being a dick in a way where like, oh, you know how girls be, you know how ladies be so overthinking, like, you know how she is, she's always overdoing. No. Now, first of all, sir, it's easy for you to say you left your kids back in Australia in a whole other continent, in a whole other time zone, okay? But, like, I totally understand this because Sheena's saying, like, I can't stop thinking about bad things happening to my family. Um, You guys know I've talked so much about my mental health issues. I've never contemplated if I have had OCD behaviors because it's never really come up in my diagnosis. But like I I used to do a lot of things in my life that were uh, – let me pause. When you grow up in a religious household, everything that you do, everything you do from like a religious standpoint is OCD behavior. It actually fuels your OCD. So – praying certain way, obsessing over those prayers and doing all those things because you think that that is the way that you will be able to control the fate of the people you love and and your own fate is OCD behavior. It becomes obsessive compulsive. And people in dark spaces and people who are feeling out of control, especially after having a baby, because after you have a baby, nothing is going to control. Your emotions are all over the place. You can really lean into that stuff. And so I bring this up because like – 
from a religious standpoint, that's how I sometimes found myself leaning into religion during like dark times. But because I've, you know, I medicated and because I've done a lot of therapy, I've learned that like, that's not really how religion is supposed to work. I don't look at prayer that way anymore. Honestly, I just look at prayer as like a thing that's supposed to ground me and center me and make me feel present. It's not a thing that is meant to fix anything or solve anything or change anything in my life. And I think that um, while I don't know how Sheena's OCD is manifesting, I could totally see that desire, that block of like, I have to think about everything. And on top of that, I have to make sure everybody's fine. I mean, like women have such a huge mental load and for Brock to sort of be like laughing about it, it's fucked up. Unfortunately, Brock is also very handsome and I hate that it's like him and CT from (laughs) real world slash traitors. I hate that I'm attracted to them. Okay. I hate it. Um, Shorts and Sandy meet up and um, Sandoval says that he's sober, but his pupils tell a different story. (laughs) Also, something came up about his mustache and I forgot that he had a mustache um, because I just don't care about him. To be honest, when he's on screen, I just get annoyed. I think I maybe even glaze over like my eyes start kind of blurring him out like he's pixelated in my mind. But I remembered that he shaved his mustache on the Howie Mandel podcast. <laughs> what universe are we living in? <laughs> this information sits in my head. Anyway, Shorts is explaining how, you know, the business is floundering and things are falling apart and like he really needed his friend. And Sandoval is mad about Shorts going on a podcast. Like, that's really all he cares about. Like, Shorts, it takes Shorts so long for Sandoval to get an apology out. Like, he just sucks in every single possible way. Um, Shorts goes to James's house because Allie does astrology readings. Now, let me tell you something. My mom's best friend is an astrologer, and she has done my birth chart and all my readings and everything, and she's the best. And while I can't tell you anything about anything else, and I just said that religion and all that stuff isn't supposed to work that way, and you're not supposed to overthink these things, let me tell you something. I love that shit, okay? I love it. I love leaning into it. It's just fun. Like I don't believe every single thing in it, but it does it does bring me a lot of enjoyment. Anyway, in the middle of this, Sandoval texts James to invite him to his sad little birthday party. And James is like, mm, I'll go there for like an hour. And then Tom has his little sad little birthday party. It is really pathetic. Like the only people who come are his bandmates. Like that's all he has. And like Billy Lee, his vocal coach is there. Like, it's just so lame. It's so lame that the editors fade from a happy birthday balloon to an emo night balloon that says sad as fuck. (laughs) It is so sad. It's so sad. James goes over there for a second and I love and I hate James. Like, I love you, James that like you want to be like the bigger person. Like James never wants to be the big person. James wants to go there because he's looking for a win and he wants Sandoval to grovel. Um, And in James's mind, it's so funny. In James's mind, his recollection of the year prior is that he was getting iced out of things. 
And I genuinely don't understand that. Like, I think what he's saying is like at last season, they were filming with Raquel, despite him saying, I don't feel comfortable filming with Raquel. They were bringing Raquel around everywhere, which iced James out and put James in an awkward position. And the reason why he was doing that this whole time was because he actually was fucking Raquel. And so I understand what James's like issue is there, but that whole situation is only a big deal in James's mind. Like literally nobody else cares about that. Everybody else has moved on to other stuff. And I get that James has a reason to be frustrated about it, but like, it's just so funny because he's like, isn't it weird? Everybody, you iced me out and now you don't even have anybody coming to your birthday party. Isn't it weird that I have a pool now and I can have a pool party and you can't come because you iced me out of it last year. Like, it's just, it's so silly. But, but bless James Kennedy because he goes over there and he's looking for an apology. And this moment again really proves that Tom Sandoval is not a changed or healed person. Okay. It doesn't matter that he's not drinking. He's definitely having mushrooms and amongst other substances. It doesn't matter that he got, you know, a piggyback ride from Kurai Khan Judge Osiwa. He is still like he has not he's not been punished. He's just he's trying to paint himself like a victim. But the moment that he's pushed in a corner and asked to take any responsibility or any accountability, he is never gonna do that. He's always gonna remind the other person like how he is the victim here. No, I was a victim because of what James did with Kristen 10 years ago. So that's why I will not apologize to James about what I did to him in a horrible way over the last, you know, two years. And um, the other thing he said on the show about bills, like, oh, he was so broke because Ariana wouldn't pay for anything. I don't know what that's about, but apparently Ariana said, I will pay for stuff if you send me the bills. I will split it in half and I can pay for it. Apparently, he never sent her the bills. He just asked her for like a lump sum money. And she was like, I'm not just going to give you money. Send me the fucking bills. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, this is a cute little short little episode. I'll be back probably tomorrow to do another solo pod um, covering Miami and Beverly Hills. Um, unless you're listening and you want to join the pod and, uh, you want to be on tomorrow, give me, uh, shoot me a message. Um, but thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And Hey, I'm going to Los Angeles next week. So if you're going to be at the crappies, um, say hi. Okay. Bye.